1: Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold Blooded The Apollo Gym Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story listen to season two of the girlfriends our lost sister on the iHeartRadio radio app apple podcasts or wherever you
3: get your podcasts hi guys nancy grace here host of podcast crime stories with nancy grace i've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims for a decade i prosecuted violent felonies Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio.
4: Yo, Elizabeth Dutton. Yes? You know what's ridiculous?
5: Oh, yeah. The band named Cherry Pop and Daddies. (laughs) Straight up ridiculous come at me cherry pop and daddies <laughs> are they embarrassed about that now
4: i hope they are
5: well are they playing county fairs
4: i, I hope think so. they are
5: i hope they're doing something <laughs> No, i don't know godspeed cherry pop and I, daddies i
4: stopped getting the newsletter you're lost yeah but i still got all the stickers on my car <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a good one. That is okay. that is very ridiculous. Now, how about another ridiculous one? A dude who's down on his luck, feeling a little stuck, and he needs to make a quick score of Big Cash. The best idea he can come up with is to kidnap a famous person's child and hold that kid for ransom. Oh. The famous person whose kid he decides to grab is Frank Sinatra. <laughs> You're like, wait, what? Why would you possibly? There's so many other celebrities with kids to take, bro. That is like probably the worst That's celebrity. That's a bad life choice. Like, you know all of his friends are like mob bosses? Like, bro. A little bit. Anyway, so as dumb as this plan sounds, things go even wilder than you might imagine. This is a strange cast of characters. We got Sam Giancana, mob boss. We got J. Edgar Hoover, head of the FBI. We've got Jan from Jan and Dean. What? Yeah. <laughs> and... uh <laughs> This one will surprise you. So, you ready to hear about the dumb, lucky kidnapping of Frank Sinatra Jr.? Bring it on. This is Ridiculous Crime, a podcast about absurd and outrageous capers, heists, and cons. It's always 99% murder-free and 100% ridiculous. Okay, it's the 1960s. In fact, it's the start of the 1960s. And the coolest men in the world are the Rat Pack. You know who the Rat Pack are, right? Yes. Who are they?
5: Me, you.
4: And your dog, Ellie. Producer
5: Dave. Producer
4: Dave. (laughs) And also Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, and Sammy Davis Jr., we're a swell group, right? So they were in 1960, like the creme de la creme, the coolest people. They're movie stars. They are singing all around the world. They are carousing all the time in Vegas. They're living up the, the high life that pretty much everybody who equates as, like, you know, the Playboy lifestyle, that's them at the time when America is at its peak prosperity. So basically, you're standing being the coolest men at the peak of America's history.
5: It. The uh-huh. Rat Pack top of the heap
4: (laughs) (laughs) i'm king of the hill so their lifestyle gets turned into a film you know the film as oceans 11 that film pretty much captures a vibe that is stayed what america's idea of cool you know Mm -hmm. it is like pretty much you know steven soderbergh has made a career out of kind of aping the feelings that that conjures maybe not exactly the visuals but the feelings and you know, good for him. But The, the elixir of it. Yes, yeah, a good word. I like that. The elixir of cool. Yeah. Anyway, so the same year, Frank Sinatra also made a big switch from Capitol Records and he started his own record company, Reprise Records. And Reprise ended up being one of the first record companies that an artist had as an independent holding. So they were like, I now have my own record company. Uh, before Frank Sinatra, nobody could do that. And they, you know, they were involved in all of the, you know, payola and these scams. It was like, everybody know the mob was involved. The music industry was and remains really shady, right? So he tried to kind of take control. So he gets the mob to back him and he gets the reprise records of his own. Eventually he sells it for a huge, like uh huge windfall for him. It, it, it works out great. So now everybody else starts wanting to do it. It doesn't go badly right now. I don't know. I grew up in a house where my dad revered Frank Sinatra. So I heard, him and the Temptations and the Four Tops, and like I basically heard Motown and Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin and Sammy Davis Jr. actually, all of them all the time. With, from my father, he was all, just, at, all at once, just uh, he just put the needle on on like the records. Five record if had players, five record go. players make him compete. And I had to just dance in front of each one and amuse <laughs> him and his friends. No, this is not at all. So he would just be playing Frank Sinatra, and to me, that was like the height of cool. Basically, it was Motown and the Rat Pack, those <laughs> are the two ideas of cool. I'm in my sorry,
5: head. I'm just stuck on you dancing. You know, in front
4: of- what did to you this grow? This
5: cacophony of all these competing songs. <laughs> Dance, Zarin.
4: <laughs> Come on. Your uncle wants to see you. Move. So, uh, but like, I have no idea what other people like how they view Amer- like Frank Sinatra. To me, he is America. But what is he to you? Like, when I say Frank Sinatra, what do you think of?
5: I think of Las Vegas, mm-hmm. most certainly. And I kind of was he like a Palm Springs fixture? Yeah, late, later in life. Yeah, I That's kind of the Frank Palm Sinatra Springs. that I always think of, where he's like in like a cashmere cardigan
4: Mm -hmm. yeah that's late life frank
5: swanning around
4: so you know like 60s peak frank late like frank did you know anything of like you know academy award winning 50s ava gardner frank or 40s tommy dorsey i know it all Okay. So do (laughs) do you think of him as being like a central figure in American history?
5: Oh, certainly. Okay.
4: yeah, That's good. Because he was, you know, he helps get Kennedy elected. Is that
5: the right answer? What if I said no?
4: Oh, I would have just gotten up and left.
5: (laughs) Thank God I (laughs) answered correctly. Go on. No, but
4: like, you know, like, and I want everybody who's unaware that it it seems silly, but Frank Sinatra was a central figure of American history in so many ways, right? Yeah. Yeah. So keep in mind, that's the person that this guy decides to kidnap his son. Now, what's meet our kidnapper? Yes, twenty-three-year-old Barry <laughs> Keenan is a California kid. Grew up in L.A. His father's a stockbroker. Goes to like uh, uni high in Santa Monica. He has what we call a comfortable life, right? So, yeah, he's sure. Post uh, World War II fifties is his childhood.
5: Ozzy and Harriet,
4: very Ozzy and Harriet, very much like you know uh, L.A. during the boom of the aerospace in- industry. So it's just like oh, go go and jets. Anyway, so <laughs> go go jets. <laughs> he's like best friends is with uh, Dean Torrance. This is his kid, right? Dean Torrance turns out to be later on be the other half of the surf music duo Jan and Dean. He's also friends with Nancy Sinatra. These are the kind of kids he's growing up with, you know, when he's in high school. Just to get you an idea, he goes off, leaves high school, you know, graduates, goes to UCLA. He's a Bruin. Doesn't really have it in him to do the college life. He's like, I don't drop out. His dad's like,
5: He's not a Bruin. (laughs) Not
4: a Bruin. He's like, His uh, father's like, Look, son, we need to get you set up in life. So here's some stock tips and some money to get you started. And why don't you go make yourself a fortune? And he does. The dude goes out, he takes money from his dad. At age 21, he's the youngest member of the L.A. Stock Exchange.
5: Wow. By age
4: 22, he is now a real estate developer. Dang, Barry? Oh, yeah, Barry is killing it, right? But, unfortunately, life is all about change. So, Barry has a real early peak and then crashes <laughs> real hard, real quick, right? <laughs> it's a lot of stress, you know, he's going to, leading a go-go active lifestyle. An on-the-go lifestyle. A busy on-the-go lifestyle, and it just, he just couldn't keep up. So, he starts to lose money. And then that leads to basically stress, which leads to an episode of mental illness. And he starts drinking. He starts doing more drugs. He gets injured, basically gets in a car accident after a dog runs across the street. And then he starts having to do Percodan. So he's trying to like, you know, manage the pain. It's very common you hear about yeah. it now, but back then people weren't really thinking about him as the victim. It's just like, oh, now you got a drug problem, bro. Right. So anyway, while he's dealing with all of this, his father starts losing his fortune. Oh. Yes, it gets real bad. So he decides... Oh man, I need to do something to save myself, save my family. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna get $240,000. That's what I need. He just picks this number $240,000. Now, just to translate, that's about $2 million in today's money.
5: I think most people would be like, you know what? I need, I just need $2 million to get everything running yeah. on track.
4: My family would be saved. I'd be saved. Mom would just finally smile. Dad would finally talk to her again. Dad would
5: finally love me. <laughs> exactly
4: two million. <laughs> also, by the way, you have to keep in mind, old Barry, remember I said the thing about the little bit of an episode of mental illness? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God told him his plan of how to get this money. So he's like, I need $240,000. He put, you know, prayers up. And God's like, I hear you, Barry. Here's the answer. So
5: did he have like auditory hallucinations, you think? Uh, I
4: don't know if his internal, like, you know, if he's hearing God's voice, like the little voice inside and saying that's God telling him, or if he's literally hearing Science. a voice outside like, of himself. He's like, if I, I see.
5: Know. If I see a seagull in the next five minutes, it means that that God wants me to get 240000 I wouldn't put that past And then it's all, come on, come on, and like steals his French fries. He's like, I knew it,
4: God. <laughs> Thanks, God. Thank you so much. So God's like, here's the plan, Barry. You need to kidnap a kid. Make the kid someone <laughs> famous. But by the way, it can't be a woman and it can't be a baby. It's got to be young. When I say a kid, I'm talking like, uh, you know, a swinging cat, you know, and he's so like.
5: So item one, kidnap a kid.
4: Yeah, first kidnap a kid. Now. A- because it's God though, you know there's always going to be restrictions. God's like, "Kidnap a kid, but here's how you have to do it. Otherwise, I'm going to be mad. You know what I do when I get mad?" Anyway, they makes a deal with God and he's like, "All right, let's do this, God." And so now he's like, you know, who do I kidnap? It's 1963. You're looking around. Who would you kidnap? Whose kid would you kidnap, brother?
5: I was I I keep thinking of terrible things to say. <laughs> 63. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm thinking of vulnerable JFK Jr.,
4: but aside from that. <laughs>
5: That's a rough one. I'm so sorry about that. 63, who would I kidnap? Maybe Frank Sinatra's kid. No, I don't
4: know. <laughs> I'm taking John Wayne's boy. <laughs> oh,
5: you, yeah, right. You think he was in t- as tough in real life. No,
4: I don't. That's why I'm taking his kid. <laughs> I'm thinking he would pay through the nose. I would take him to Mexico and co- come, find me, oh, bro. Oh
5: yeah, you got to go with the cash and maybe not the swiftest.
4: No, and somebody who's going to be a little bit like scared, but then also maybe like the FBI is going to get involved to like complicate things, so I can like get them thinking they're going to help him. He thinks, they're, and then I just you know here's your kid back, and I take the money and <laughs> I'm out. Your kid back.
5: <laughs> Boot him across the so, room.
4: Barry, he's like, okay, it's 1963. I need to get someone famous. It's got to be a kid, but it can't be a baby. can't be a woman. Hmm. hmm. I know. Bob Hope's kid. A I'll boy child. I'll take Tony Hope. He's Tony like, Hope. Yeah, Tony Hope. That's Bob Hope's kid. Anyway, and, I learned and that. And
5: Tony Hawk's stunt double.
4: <laughs> Tony Hope, bro. So Tony Hope is like, you know, this... You know, nice, nice enough kid. He thinks he's probably worth, you know, at least $240,000, right? Sure. And, uh, and he's like, Pat, you know what? Bob oops, he's a G. He's like over there in Vietnam. Or I guess, you know, actually this would be Vietnam. Over there entertaining the troops. Yeah,
5: he's a you good know, guy. You know, he's
4: an all-American guy. I can't take his kid. He doesn't need that hassle.
5: And the man knows how to wield a golf club.
4: This is very true. So he's like, you know, I need somebody who's a little tougher, who can take it, who understands how <laughs> the world is. And if I take the kid, they won't just crumble and fall to pieces. So he's like, you know who can do it? frank sinatra i'm taking his boy wow yeah but you have to understand this is interesting because he grew up with the sinatras
5: oh yeah right with nancy he grew sinatra. up with nancy
4: sinatra and he, her
5: boots were made for walking
4: yeah that's just what they're gonna do
5: well, one of these days these boots might walk all over you buddy
4: oh <laughs> let me watch my step so nancy sinatra is so tight with this dude barry she would like have him in the car that frank would drive so frank would drive like nancy and her girlfriends down to like a party or whatever and he would be in the car so So he's
5: hitching a ride with frank he's that close to
4: the family Like he's not just like i see him occasionally at my school he's like i'm in the station why
5: wasn't that his first choice inside job baby why would you go for bob (laughs) hope
4: (laughs) so he decides like you know uh i'm gonna i'm gonna get this kid I know where he is. This shouldn't be too hard. And Frank can take it. He's tough. He's a, he understands. This is, you know, because basically, remember, he's got to deal with God. But he also, Barry Keenan thinks of this as a business deal. He's like, hey, Frank, you know, he knows the mob. He knows how, it's a business deal. So it's not personal.
5: He went to, he's in his early 20s or mid 20s at this point. Mm-hmm. He goes to school with Nancy. How old is uh, the boy?
4: He's 19.
5: So he's not really a kid.
4: Well, he is in America. <laughs> no, maybe a son of wealth. is nineteen. He's no That's longer a, a
5: minor. Oh, I yeah,
4: I'm saying legally. You're 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 the daughter of a lawyer, so you're thinking, oh, well, he's nineteen. He's and I'm like, no, I'm a. I'm
5: also thinking at nineteen. I don't know, a nineteen year old man.
4: Well, well, you know, basically. If you say nineteen-year-old man, it just doesn't. I like I like
5: describing it feel
4: like that. right. <laughs> like I mean, have you ever seen a picture of he Look, because like his, his father was very baby-faced when he was very young, and yeah. he followed in his father's footsteps of being very baby-faced. So if you look at them, he looks like a teenager.
5: So oh, I like imagine him baby-faced, meaning he's bald and has one curl, curl on yeah. the top of his head, like the, the Gerber baby with a bow on and it, and he's wearing a suit and just a, a pacifier, with the
4: baby's head, and a pacifier. Yeah, and he's just like that's what I'm like. He's on the edge right of now. tears all the time. <laughs> that's what that I'm seeing. Right and he's now. looking around for well, like he's a, a boob. Yeah, he's <laughs> really moody right now.
5: <laughs> Needs a diaper change. So,
4: my man, Barry Keenan, he's got his plan set. He's got his target set. He's decided Frank can take it. So, now is time to put his plan into action. And I'll tell you all about that after this short break.
1: Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? (laughs) Services are provided by
4: Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. As you know, the world can be a dangerous and unpredictable place. With every crime I've studied, I've learned one thing. Your best line of defense is your vigilance and preparation. You don't want to worry. You just want peace of mind. That's why I recommend Simply Safe Home Security. For every ridiculous robbery and theft we talk about, it's pretty obvious the crimes could be avoided with a solid security system. A good home security system keeps people prepared and aware. Simply Safe is that system. It was named Best Home Security Systems 2024 by US News and World Report, and it doesn't just protect your home from crime, it also alerts you to fire, floods, and other emergencies. They offer sensors and cameras backed by twenty-four-seven professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. There are no contracts, and there's a sixty-day money-back guarantee. Get twenty percent off any new Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect monitoring. Just visit SimpliSafe.com/ridiculouscrime. That's SimpliSafe.com/ridiculouscrime. There's no safe like SimpliSafe.
1: I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold Blooded, the Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Helper.
3: Just a shame, you know, that they took him from us.
1: Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer.
4: Okay. So, Elizabeth? Yes. You're an amateur kidnapper? I'm
5: an amateur at pretty much
4: everything. <laughs> but let's say you're looking to go pro as a kidnapper. Okay. Where would you turn? What would you what would be your first move?
5: I want to go pro as a kidnapper. Mm-hmm.
4: You want to get paid. Hm. Get that bread, son. Where are you going how you going to do it?
5: I, you know, I I don't know. I'd maybe like Try and get a mentorship going. With,
4: <laughs> go find a see kidnapper. See if I can apply go, for an okay. apprenticeship
5: program with another kidnapping outfit. Is there like, a
4: kidnapper guild? Teach that me I can?
5: everything you know.
4: Well, Barry goes to the library.
5: Oh, that's that's okay. Right?
4: He reads books. He reads newspaper articles. He really focuses on J. Edgar Hoover in the article because back then, J. Edgar Hoover was writing newspaper articles because he was trying to win over the populace to the idea of the FBI. So in the 30s and the 40s, he's writing updates about like, you know, shootouts with bank robbers and like, oh, we almost got uh you know, top machine gun Kelly. We're after Babyface Nelson and he got away. And then he's like, this is why you need the FBI. Right. And then also they have like the G-Man on the radio. It's like a whole advertising campaign for the FBI, essentially Anyway, he so loves these articles. Barry, obsesses
5: on them. Barry's just hitting the microfiche.
4: Yeah, he's in the microfiche in the library going, shh, 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 give me all the Jagger Hoover I can get, right? But he doesn't just limit himself to Hoover. He also goes all the way back to a real high point of kidnapping, biblical times. <laughs>
5: Is he's this like, where he gets the notion of God telling him? The, no, God already told him. Yeah, no, so already like, good let the, me hit the reference book on Yeah,
4: he's like, let me, ch- let me check the blueprint. <laughs> so on. He's like, well, he wants to know, like, basically why kidnapping works, but importantly, why it also fails. So he wants to know, like, when kidnappings have gone wrong. Hmm, okay. Smart guy, smart guy. I mean, you know, sure. for somebody who's like, you know, edging on reality, it's a smart <laughs> yeah, approach. Is... So once he's schooled on kidnapping and he feels like, I got a handle on that. He's like, okay, now I need some money. So, where is he going to go? Where are you going to go?
5: To to get some money Uh to fund my kidnapping? Yeah,
4: exactly. It's a tough one. You can't go to the bank for a loan. So
5: Get a job at a soda fountain and hard work and bootstraps. (laughs) I don't know. Rob somebody.
4: October 1963, he's like, let me hit up my best friend, Jan.
5: But hold on. How great would it be if he broke into Sinatra's house and stole money in order to fund (laughs) the kidnapping of his kid? (laughs) Just putting that out there, Barry, is a missed opportunity.
4: I'll just put something else out there. You just wait. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> so October 1963, calls up his friend Dean Torrance of Jan and Dean. He's like, Dean, my man, I got a business opportunity for you.
5: Dean's like too busy writing surf tunes.
4: <laughs> no, he's like because you have to understand. Remember, I said he became a, a investment broker in, at 21 and so forth. He was give. He was taking his parents' money, his friends' parents' money, his friends' money, and making money for them on investment. Okay. He made a ton of money for Dean Torrance because Dean Torrance had money after making poppets like Surf City. Right. So he's like, oh, I'll take that, invest it. So Dean's like, what, do you want to do what, what? What is it? He's like, actually curious to know. And he's like, I got this great new business plan. You're going to love it. It's, gonna, it's a big money earner, right? So Barry's like, hey, Dean, meet me at USC. And he's like, all right. So they meet over there. And he's like, OK, now I'm going to tell you this plan, but hear me out. Don't interrupt me. Just wait till the end. Then interrupt with whatever you got to say. This
5: is like when you tell me a story.
4: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, just wait till the end. <laughs> so he's like, okay, uh, here's the plan. He lays it out to him. I'm going to take Frank Sinatra's son and I'm going to ransom him off. And I'm going to make a bunch of money. And then uh, we'll all be fabulously wealthy and I'll save my family. He's like, this is your plan. O- okay. Now uh, he's like, you know, to be quite honest, uh, he kind of like plays along. And I quote. Yes. That all sounds great, Barry. Very entertaining. But what happens if you get caught?
5: That's a reasonable thing.
4: To right. It's like joke. the most honest question, best question to ask. Barry has an answer. He's like, I'm prepared for that, bro. Well, Dean, and I quote, <laughs> I'm not going to get caught. That's not part of the plan. I'll have such an ironclad alibi. So wow. Dean's like, So
5: my plan, if I get
4: caught, is just to not, not get caught. Not get caught. I've got that check. Genius. Taken care of. So he's like, well, okay, well, lay it on me. What's your alibi? And he's like, well, you know. I'm going to go to uh, UCLA Bruins game and uh, everybody will see me there. And then they can just say, that's where I was. And he's like, that's your plan. Okay. <laughs> All 50,000 people are going to be your eyewitnesses. Deal. <laughs> So Dean's like, you know what? And I quote, I'll tell you what, this is too bizarre for me to even relate to, but I will give you 500 bucks now. You try to get your life together and let me know how things go.
5: Mm.
4: So Dean also, by the way, has he like, you think like he has never spoken about this publicly. He has. He's willing to talk about the time he financed Frank Sinatra Jr.'s oh kidnapping. <laughs> and he recalls, and I quote, I don't think I ever took him seriously. It was so insane. Yeah, That's like kind like, of his defense. He's
5: got this like friend who's not all there and yeah, really like, kind of hey, man. manic. And, and it's he's his best like... friend
4: from high school, so he's like, look, I'm doing really well in surf music. You used to be doing well with the... You know, maybe Here's we get 500 you back bucks, on track. leave me alone. Yeah, so then he's like, okay, now I got my money, I got my seed money, got 500 bucks. Now it's time to put my plan into action. So he's like, I need to go get a team together. His first ask, Old high school buddy Joe Amstler.
5: Barry's eleven.
4: Yeah, totally. Barry's eleven. The dude is an abalone diver, professional boxer.
5: Wait, that's the most amazing peak California right? employment. I saved history, that one for you. That resume. What do you do? Abalone diver, also a professional boxer.
4: <laughs> He's, by the way, really struggling with the employment. <laughs> so yeah, his wife's like, <laughs> "Look, you get a job or you get out." So, and uh, my man Barry's like hey, man, I got a hundred bucks a week if you want to be part of my heist. He's like, cool, I'm into it, right? So he agrees to the heist for a $100 a week. Then so he's like
5: five weeks of employment and yeah. Barry's going to use it all up. <laughs>
4: he's like, I need also somebody who, who's a, a tough guy, right? Somebody who can like, you know, really bring this home. So he's like, oh, I know, my mom's ex-boyfriend. Oh, he brought it home so, already. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so he's this 42-year-old World War II veteran, a Navy man. And he's like, hey, John Irwin, you want to help me kidnap Frank Sinatra Jr.? And he's like, hmm, hmm, uh, well, how much is in, in it for me? And he's like he tells him 100 bucks a week. He's like, All right, I'm so down. So now
5: we're down to two and a half weeks of employment here. <laughs> exactly.
4: Well, this is our team. So they're like, Okay, let's get to it. Now, their first attempt is that month. They decide in October of 1963, we need to go grab him. He and
5: can't pay him beyond that.
4: You've done the math. It's I have. right there. So he's like, All right, I need to move. But he's got a problem. Barry's got uh, kind of a big problem. Mm-hmm. He fell in love. Oh, Barry. Yeah. And he's wondering, how do I tell my girl that I'm going to steal Frank Sinatra's (laughs) son and make us some big money? She may not be into that. That might scare her away. That may be what the kids of the future will call a red flag. I don't know.
5: That would be the best Reddit relationships (laughs) post from either one of them. Because
4: I want to steal Frank Sinatra Jr. It would
5: be like Reddit relationships. Like, my boyfriend keeps disappearing for periods of time. And I think he's cheating. And then the update. Well, it turns out he was trying to kidnap Frank Sinatra Jr.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Not cheating. So his girlfriend, Pam, surprises us all. She's (laughs) into it. She's like, what? Oh.
5: Pam's a writer. Yeah,
4: let's get that, dude. I'm telling you. I'll drive, right? So they're like all lined up. And they go heading over to Arizona because Frank Sinatra Jr. is going to be playing the Arizona State Fair.
5: Wait, playing the Arizona State Fair?
4: Singing. He's a musician.
5: Oh, goodness.
4: Oh, yes. I forgot to tell you that. Following in the footsteps of his father, he is a musician and he's a teen sensation at 19. He's so like he's, a
5: Jacob Dylan. Yeah,
4: exactly. This is a really good comparison, actually. Thank he, you. <laughs> so, like, he's like, you know, basically conjuring that feel, and people are like, oh, it's just, and you know, they love that.
5: And stuff. he's playing the Arizona State Fair.
4: Yeah, it, there's a part of a generational issue there because you have to remember it's 1963. And not a lot of people are like, you know what I would love right now is a young Frank Sinatra. (laughs) So he kind of missed his window there. His father really hit it, though. But anyway, so he, uh, Barry, Pam, and the Jim, and uh, we've got Jim Irwin.
5: It sounds like you're making up names (laughs) off the top of your head. Oh Barry, Pam, uh, Joe,
4: and uh, Sam. So Joe... John or John Wamsler, John Herwin, <laughs> Pam and Barry, they all go cruising over to Arizona. But they decide to abort mission because Barry's like, you know, he's basically freaked out about the fact he touched a phone when we went to like do something. He's like, Oh, I touched the phone. I, left, I left fingerprints. We got to leave. And so they're like, oh, Okay, this okay is a, Barry. That's a
5: sign right so there. So
4: then they drive back to LA. And he's like, okay, guys, I know that that probably didn't seem cool, how I freaked out, but I (laughs) trust me, I got a really good plan. Like, he
5: basically thought he left this oven on. (laughs)
4: Exactly. And everyone's like, oh, man, I don't know about this. He's like, look, we'll grab him here in L.A. And they are like, Barry, I don't know, bro. He's like, look guys, trust me, this is gonna happen, it's gonna be amazing, it's gonna be magical, we're gonna do this, how about this? Put on your best suit, we're going to the ambassador. And they're like, what? It's like, yeah, do it up, man. So they go and they put on their best suit, they go down to the ambassador hotel where Frank Sinatra Jr. is performing. And they get to watch him headline a like nightclub act, and sitting a few tables away from them is Frank Sinatra Sr., Dean Martin, and Sammy Davis Jr.
5: Do you think that's the whole why, rat pack. That's why people went to that show because they thought they yes. would see
4: that. And them that's why remember. Frank Sinatra went to that show because <laughs> that exact same reason. So, anyway, every, the, now his guys are like, oh, it's ordained. We're going to do it. We're going to take that man's son.
5: That was their seagull sign. <laughs>
4: they, they decided, right? They, seeing him, they're seeing it. They're like,
5: like if okay. Frank Sinatra flies across this room and steals my french fries, come on. <laughs> It's on. <laughs> <laughs> remember, I'm channeling Barry here, who's not I mean, playing like with all... eye-to-eye
4: eye with him. It's amazing. Yeah. So, now remember their alibi is they're going to go to a UCLA football game. So they set the day They're going to kidnap Barry on a Friday, go to the UCLA football game on a Saturday. Everyone will see him. They'll be like, how could they kidnap kidnapped him on Friday if they were at a UCLA game on Saturday, bro? <laughs>
5: Nothing can happen in 24 <laughs> hours. Exactly.
4: So that's their plan. And they set the date for Friday, November 22nd. 1963. Oh. Yeah. Oh. So plans oh. get interrupted when Little JFK dead. gets assassinated that day in Dallas. Oh, boy. So Frank Sinatra Jr.'s show gets canceled that night. And Barry's like, damn it, man. <laughs> this is not fair. This is just not fair. <laughs> so anyway, he's uh, he's really upset. He's like, but I'm not going to give up on the dream. He's like, I've, I refuse. This is my moment, right? So he's like, okay, I'm going to have to go up to... Uh, Tahoe, because he sees that's where Frank Sinatra Jr. is going to be performing in December. He's like, okay, it's a perfect place to grab. He's out there. at the Sierra Nevada mountains. I can just go up. There's all those little back roads. I can drive down to Reno. I can drive down to San Francisco. They, there's no way to stop me. I could go south in the uh, 99. This is great. I got- December in, the,
5: in Tahoe? Okay. Yeah,
4: but he's thinking, you know, he's, he's from, you know, down south. So he doesn't really know that it's going to be most likely- Snowy, icy. He's yeah. not thinking about that, right? But he calls up his mom's ex. He's like, "Hey, John Irwin, you want to go up north to Tall?" He's like, "Bro, I got a job. I got a, I got a. I got work as a house painter. I, I don't need your hundred dollars a week." He's like, "Okay, <laughs> just don't tell anyone I'm doing this, okay?" <laughs> <laughs> so then he goes, he grabs up his buddy, abalone diver turned boxer, Joe Amsler, and he's like, "Hey, Joe, let's go north." And he's like, "Oh man, I can't. My wife's not about on me. I haven't been able to collect any abalone. Haven't fought anybody. I mean, <laughs> just things are tough. And I need to like get some work." He's like, "Yeah, there's construction jobs. People are building casinos. Let's go up to top. Tahoe. He's like, "All right, bet. Let's go."
5: He's like, "Wear your sh- abalone short shorts."
4: <laughs> exactly. So they finally they drive north, and they're going up there, and they get to Tahoe, and all of a sudden, uh, Joe notices on the marquee at Harris Casino Frank Sinatra Jr. now headlining the whatever room. And he's like, "Bro, what's up with this? You just brought me here to grab Frank Sinatra Jr. We're not getting construction jobs." He's like, "Yeah, that's true. <laughs> We're doing it, man. We're doing it." So. I will be back in one moment to tell you the madcap grabbing of Frank Sinatra, Jr.
1: I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff.
2: We're actually reopening an old case and your name came up
1: untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder but almost a
4: dozen I thought they were gonna kill me so I kept my mouth shut. And I didn't say anything all these years I didn't say. Anything.
1: Listen to cold-blooded the Apollo gym murders on the iHeart radio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts
2: Hey girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher.
3: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
4: It's December 8th, 1963. We're just weeks after the assassination of JFK. The nation is mourning. But Frank Sinatra Jr. is like, the show must go on. So he's out there at Harris Casino getting ready to perform.
5: (laughs) Junior.
4: Yeah, Frank Sinatra Jr. So... Then we enter to the scene Barry and Joe Amsler, abalone diver turned boxer, who short shorts <laughs> they pull up into the Sierra Nevadas and they decide, you know what, we're gonna do this thing. After they have a little falling out about the fact that uh Joe was lied to by Barry, he's like, all right, I'm here though, let's do this. So they pull up in their 63 Chevy Impala, and uh, now. Mind you, they have to like get his routine down. So like for about a week, they just kind of shade Frank Sinatra Jr. They're like, you mm-hmm. know, tracking him. Now we've spent that week up. Now we are at December eighth. So for the last week, they, they've, they've been, been there,
5: doing the most dangerous game on
4: exactly, just tracking, <laughs> him, wanting Jr. to know all of his routines, where is it, anything he does. Right. So now they got it down. So they pull up in their sixty three Chevy Impala, cut the lights, and they go, okay, it's the moment. Let's do this. He's like, you ready, Joe? He's like, I don't think I am. And he's like, well, here's an <laughs> unloaded gun. Let's do this. It's, here's <laughs> an unloaded gun. I swear to God he gives him an unloaded gun he doesn't trust Joe with bullets so then he has bullets in his gun he's like hey let's go in there so Barry's like you know what I got an idea I'll be a delivery man so he takes a wine box fills it up with pine cones he gathers from like just trees and goes up and knocks on the door but
5: it's like a Martha Stewart yeah
4: he's like I got a decor you know, delivery <laughs> exactly
5: here are the pine cones I got ordered. the pine cones
4: you know they're decorative what
5: if he opens the door and Frankie Jr. is like oh I've been waiting on those and just like starts chewing them up <laughs>
4: <laughs> he's like thank God like oh. they did
5: no, no yeah. he had noticed that he only eats pine, pine cones. cones
4: and that's why he's such a beautiful voice so he goes up he knocks on the door he's like hey joe be cool ready Okay, knock, knock. And then Frank Sinatra Jr., rich kid, is like, come in. So they push open the door and walk in with the pine like, delivery, sir. He's like, oh, I set him down over there. He sets him down and he's like, Joe, come on in. And he tries to pull out his gun, but he can't get his gun out of his pocket. So the two of them are both fumbling. One guy's got the unloaded gun. He's aiming it at them. The other one's got his gun in his pocket. Barry finally gets the gun out of his pocket, forces it into Frank Sinatra Jr.'s face and is like, all right. This is a robbery, right? Because he's decided he doesn't want him to think it's a kidnapping. So he doesn't tell him it's a kidnapping. He's like, don't make any noise and nobody will get hurt. And he just keeps repeating this over and over again. And Frank Sinatra Jr. is like, okay. Now, mind you, I left out a key detail. When they burst into the room, Frank Sinatra Jr. and his trumpet player, this guy Foss, they're hanging out in their underwear eating fried chicken. As you do. You know, just before the show. On a trying cold to winter's night, sitting like, in your
5: drawers. Yeah, sitting in your drawers
4: with your trumpet player, eating some fried chicken.
5: That sounds lovely.
4: Right? So they're just sitting there now in their underwear, eating fried chicken <laughs> with guns in their faces.
5: <laughs> they just continue eating.
4: <laughs> just, no, they do. He literally continues. He takes a bite of thigh. He's like, um, um, what's going on, man? That's incredible. So then he's like, oh, give us some money. And he's like, no, he's made the terrible mistake of trying to rob musicians. The trumpet player's like, bro, I don't got anything. Yeah, good I got, luck good with luck. that <laughs> one. is <laughs> so like, I'm wearing one suck. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you need You don't want to know, know why. <laughs> so he's like, I got 20 bucks. Frank Sinatra Jr. is like, here, I got 20 bucks. And the reason why they decided to rob him is because Barry has spent up all their money. They don't have gas money to make it back to LA. They need this money. To- <laughs> so sp- so then, once they get done robbing him, then they go, okay, now back to kidnapping. So then they go, Okay. <laughs> This is a side quest. I'm telling you, it's amazing. So then they tell the dude, Foss the trumpet player, look, you're going to stay here, bro. We're going to tie you up. Ten minutes after we leave, you can go tell people that we took Frank Sinatra Jr. He's like, oh, oh, you're gonna okay. You're going to tie
5: him up with a ten minute...
4: Yeah, limit. Yeah, li- so What then, happens
5: after 10 minutes, it I don't know. magically I undoes itself. They just
4: wanted a head start. So and they thought, he's a man of dignity you know, and his, honor. He's
5: not going to get caught because he's not going to get caught.
4: So exactly. I'm this is worried. all part of the plan. I don't I'm know why worried. you have questions. So they shuffle Frank Sinatra Jr. out of the room. They go and they take him down to the 63s, Chevy and Paula, toss him in back, blindfold him. They get ready to go and they're like, oh, forgot the gun. So what? Barry has to go back upstairs and fetch his gun. And he sees that Foss is like trying to get free. He's like, bro, I thought I told you. He's like, okay, look, just give me five minutes. And he goes like, okay, I'll give you five minutes. He's like, oh, cool. So then he leaves. And he's like, like the dopiest people I've <laughs> ever. <laughs> exactly. So then they go run back downstairs and he's like, oh, cool. And they get in the car and Joe is not taking off. Joe's still in the car sitting there. Joe's like, man, we got really gotta get out of here. <laughs> so they're like, oh cool. And he's like, hey, Frank Sinatra Jr., be cool, bro. Just just be cool. And he's like, what's going on? You guys robbed me? and You kidnapped me? Like, what's really going on? And he's like, so this is a quote from Barry. And I quote, mm-hmm. we're in the car, maybe three or four minutes. I say, Frank, what we should do is make you look like you're drunk. So here, take these sleeping pills, Numbutol, to be precise. Take a swig of this whiskey. And Frank, he was very cooperative.
5: I love this yeah. on, for so many reasons. One, <laughs> what we should do is kidnappers. <laughs> Kidnappy is make you look drunk. Like he's gonna be like, oh yeah, totes. Like that, (laughs) let's do it. I'm into that. And then they're like, here. Take these take these pills and some whiskey. He's like, mm, don't gotta ask me twice. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> this is the greatest. And now uh, the
4: Frank Sinatra Jr. did have to be kind of like convinced because they told him, Look, we got these guns, and if anything happens, if cops show up, there'll be gunfire and you might get shot by the cops. We don't want that to happen. He's like, That's true. Give me the booze.
5: Right. But if I'm like kidnapped and shoved in the back of a really cool looking 63 and I imagine, <laughs> brand new, they shove me in there and they've got guns in my face. I'm gonna say can I have those pills and that whiskey? Because mm-hmm. I I just want to check out on this one right now. That's what Not Joe Ansler's doing. Like, kill myself, but I'm like, I I you know. Lights out, London. I want to go to sleep. <laughs> I don't want to see this. So that's and then you much, can yeah. deal with my limp body
4: as mm-hmm. you try and move me around. Just pour me in the footwell, and I'll right? be fine.
5: Yeah. So yeah. Wait, so, so did Joe hit up the pills and whiskey? Too?
4: Yeah. Joe and Frank are passing back forth the bottle because they're both a little tense right God now. Bless. Right? They're just just not. He's not sure this is going to go well.
5: This is amazing. So
4: Foss, the trumpet player, works himself free. He runs down to the manager. He's like, "Look, they grabbed Frank Sinatra Jr." Manager manager's like, "What? Was he still, I'm going to get killed.
5: Was he still eating a ch- piece of chicken? He had
4: him like <laughs> in his teeth. He's like." <laughs> I'm telling you. just one second. This is some good chicken. So anyway, the manager calls the, you know, the sheriff. The sheriff's like, what? I'm going to get killed by Frank Sinatra. So everyone's afraid of getting killed by Frank Sinatra. So they shut down the roads. They shut down the freeway. He has all these deputies go and like, block off any exits. And they do it fast enough. He's like, I want you boys out there because I don't think they got out of, the, out of this area. There's no way. It's only been like five, ten minutes. So he sends his guys out with sawed-off shotguns and pistols into the dark and cold and goes, go find me the kidnappers of Frank Sinatra Jr. And uh, the sheriff is right about one thing. They have not left the area.
5: what do they all take pills and booze (laughs) no pull over.
4: Barry's like you know what man I told you I got the plan I thought of everything he says I just need to put these snow chains on oh my god (laughs) he does but he he gets the snow chains on they're driving along and he like he notices in the distance these headlights and he's like oh that's a police roadblock so he pulls over he's like I just need the time to think guys I didn't think about this part and they're like okay that's cool cool." (laughs) he's like okay Here's my plan. The cops think that there are three people, because one's Joe, one is uh, Frank Sinatra, and the two are the kidnappers. So they're looking for a car with three people. Joe, you need to get out. Joe's like, okay, okay. okay. Now, meanwhile, it, a blizzard has started to fall. The snow is gone. The, the lo- there's like a light snow at first, and now it's starting to build. Now we're getting actual blizzard conditions. And he's like, Joe, run out into the blizzard. And Joe's Joe, like,
5: Joe is in his abalone hunting outfit. Exactly. So he's like barefoot, short, short shorts, shorts, and a net.
4: And, and a good whiskey drunk at this and point.
5: That's it. Yeah, and he's slurring his speech.
4: So he's like, okay. He runs out into, into the night, right? So then Barry gets out and starts working on, on the, the car tire chains, and then these cops pull up. They're like, hey. Barry's like, what's going on, officer? And the cops are like, hey, man, uh, what are you doing? He's like, oh, just fixing my chains. The car tires like, oh, yeah, we're just out looking for some people. And then he's like, cool. And then the cops get back in their patrol car and drive down the <laughs> we're road. We're
5: just out looking for some people.
4: <laughs> I was like, yeah, but you're not it, apparently. No. So Barry's like, "Hey, Frank Junior, nice job!" But like playing along, he's like, "No, oh, man, I'm just, I'm just." Dead. I'm just he's not this dro-
5: drool all down his front? <laughs>
4: exactly. So, he's
5: he's soiled himself.
4: He's like, "Hey, okay, now we need to get out of here." And so Frank Sano Jr. Junior's like, well, what about Joe?" And he's like, okay, fine.
5: Wait a second.
4: (laughs) Frank Sinatra Jr. is worried about the kidnapper. He's like, we need to go save Joe. He's like, okay, fine. Frank, calm down. In his
5: (laughs) drug-induced haze, he thinks of Joe. Yeah, so he gets out.
4: He's like, oh, screaming and shouting into the darkness. And he's like, hey, hey! And then Joe comes running back. <laughs> Joe. Joe's like, oh man, I ran into a fence post. I knocked myself no, out for a it. while. No, stop it. Just stop
5: it. Just yeah. Did he legitimately yes, run into? He did. Into a ran
4: fence into a fence post, post. knocked himself out. And then he comes to, and then runs back when he hears his name being shouted into the darkness. So then. This is a Con <laughs> Brothers movie. Exactly. So then he gets back. He's like, look, we got the same problem though. Joe, you can't be here. You got to be in the trunk. He's like, but I'm so, so cold. He's like get in the trunk joe oh joe's God. like okay so joe gets in the trunk now they let us drive down to a roadblock and then he's like hey officers and the officers like pull that shotguns you get out of that car because he doesn't know that these he just sees a car coming at him and he's like right. you know, they decide this must be the kidnappers and then and you know Barry's like, hey, man, cool down. I don't know what the problem is. We already got searched. And the other cop's like, oh, yeah, I searched him. Don't worry about it. And he's like, I don't know about that. He's like, no, I don't care. I'm going to search you again. He's like, you can't do that, man. (laughs) He's like, "The other cop's like, it's cool, man. He's like, all right, let's him go.
5: What is going on where people just tell someone something and it becomes true?
4: Exactly. That's how it works. Wow. Now they're off to L.A. And, uh, you know. They get into the dark of the night as the blizzard is falling and they turn on the radio and they hear Frank Sinatra Jr. It's been kidnapped. And then the, the news is blaring. He's like, wait, you guys kidnapped me, man? I thought we were just on a road trip. He doesn't quite understand what's happening to him, right? <laughs> so then Frank Sinatra has to listen to his dad because they're playing Frank Sinatra music because his son's been kidnapped. So then he just oh, listen God. to Frank Sinatra tunes as they drive south in California. Oh my God. And they've gotten away with it. So what comes next? I'll tell you after this very, very short break.
3: Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast.
4: So what comes next? Well, for these three young men, it's basically a road trip south. I mean, they're having some fun, they're chucking down some pills, they're drinking some booze, or listening to Sinatra tunes. It's basically like that scene from swingers. It's just like, all right. Oh god. So then they get back to LA and reality finally sets in for poor Frank Sinatra Jr. He's like, wait a minute, you guys totally took me like out of like I have a show to play and like this is messed up, man. <laughs> they're like, okay, yes, we kidnapped you. What's your dad's number so we can get some money for you? And he's like, I'm not telling you my dad's number. They're like, No, you have to. And he's like, I'm not doing it. And they're like I didn't think about this part of the plan. So I have no answer. So he's like, Joe, hit him. He's like, I'm not hitting him. He's like, I'm like buddy, man, I'm not going to mess you up. Yeah, we're cool. And so they're actually really getting tight, the two of them, right? The so pill pals. Yeah, exactly. So Frank Turner's like, yeah, I'm a tough guy. I ain't going to tell you my dad's number. They're like, "Oh, damn.
5: Well, wait, but, doesn't he know Nancy? Why can't he be like...
4: Well, Frank was around, right? So luckily... He's like, Well, I've already had some bad news, so I got some time to kill. I need to go back up to Tahoe because I didn't pay off the hotel bill. <laughs>
5: <laughs> so, you, can't, you can't just go ahead and not pay it man <laughs> well no
4: then they'll know it's him he's worried right no. he's like they'll have the idea that you know he has this hotel that's never built anyway
5: well the way things are working call him and tell him you paid it
4: Well said he calls dean torrance and he's like dean i need five hundred dollars more because i got frank sinatra jr down in hell like he's like whoa whoa wait you did it he's like <laughs> yeah it's like okay you need to stop calling me right man <laughs> So, but he's like, but here's $500, never call me again. He's like, thanks, I needed the money. And he drives back up to Tahoe, pays off his hotel bill, and he takes Pam, his rich girlfriend, with him. She actually ends up paying most of the hotel bill. He needs the $500 so he can, like, pay gas and not have to ask Pam for money for gas, I guess. They actually spend the day skiing after they pay off the hotel bill. And then they what? then they drive back down south.
5: Oh Meanwhile, oh, God. once he's
4: back in L.A., he discovers, Barry discovers, that Joe and Frank Jr. have gotten real tight. And they're they're kind of like, basically, they don't want to go through with it anymore. And he's like, what the <laughs> hell, man? It's like, you guys. Okay, look. So he's got, he's got to call in the outside ringer again. He calls his mom's ex-boyfriend. He's like, John Irwin, I need you to come in and be tough for me. He's like, okay. So the old World War II veteran comes in. They're like, look. I found out Frank how to get a hold of Frank Sinatra. He's got this uh, casino, this hotel in Reno. He's staying at, and they, everybody's been talking about it on the news. I'm just going to call there, and then you asked to talk to Frank. Did he like,
5: have the Cal Neva? Was that his?
4: He owned the Cal Neva yeah. with Sam Giancana. That's right. Uh, he was like basically the front person for it. Uh huh. And so my memory serves. Yes, good job, Darnell. They all yeah. You see that in the the Godfather? They have that whole scene up in Tahoe. Right. That's kind of like a nod to the Cal Neva. Right, right. So. Now, Barry's like, okay, I can't really count on Joe, but at least he'll hopefully keep Frank Sinatra Jr. safe in the hideout while John Irwin and I go take care of this. Come on, mama's ex. And so they go, and they're like, okay, let's call Frank Sr. They call up the hotel, and Frank Sr.'s like, okay, these are the kidnappers? Let me hear from them, right? And he's like, okay. Boom. Hey, Frank, we got your boy. And they're like, what? Frank freaks out. He's like, I'll I'll give you a a million dollars for my my son. And he's like, oh, just, just a second, Frank, you're getting ahead of yourself. We're going to call you at this Chevron station. And they give him an address. They go, go there. We'll call you in a couple of minutes. And he's like, okay. So then hang up. So then Frank, you know, being an FBI agent, drive off to that Chevron station. Meanwhile, John Irwin calls the Chevron station. He's like, hey, is uh, Frank Sinatra there? And the guy working at the gas station is like, uh, no, hangs up. <laughs> Frank. So John Irwin calls back. Hey, uh, is Frank Sinatra there? This guy at the gas station's like, what the hell, pal? He's like, listen, pal, Mr. Sinatra is not in the habit of taking calls at this Chevron station. (laughs) Hangs up. Then a car pulls up, out steps Frank Sinatra. The dude from the Chevron station's like, what? (laughs) He's like, hey, I'm Frank Sinatra. Have I had any calls? Oh my god! <laughs> Can you imagine that moment <laughs> for that too? <laughs> he's like, gets call one, call two, call three. Is this Frank Sinatra? Is Frank Sinatra there? Is Frank Sinatra there? Hey, I'm Frank Sinatra, and he calls.
5: Oh my god!
4: So you know that guy, he's be getting free drinks for life on that. <laughs> anyway, Irwin calls again. Frank gets this call, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm Frank Sinatra." He's like, "Thank goodness!" And so then now he's like, Frank's like, "Look, I'll give you a million dollars for my boy." He's like. Uh, no, Barry only wants $240,000. So, so they lowball Frank Sinatra <laughs> <laughs> and they ask for $240,000 according to their plan. He goes, here's the deal. You need to get an FBI courier to go to a, pho- a payphone in LA and then we'll call that payphone and tell them to go to another payphone and then we'll call that payphone and then we'll go to another payphone and we'll call that payphone and we'll keep doing that till we decide that you can go to the right drop. And he's like, okay. So then they do this. They set up the, this drop and on December 11th, The money is left by the FBI at a drop spot on Sunset Boulevard. Joe Amsler and Barry are driving around and looking for the drop spot. They see the money's there between two school buses in a black bag, just like they ask. He goes, Joe, get out. Grab the money. Joe gets out. He sees... Something doesn't feel right. Joe just runs away. Just takes off.
5: Just like in the woods. Yeah,
4: exactly. Barry's like, oh, man. So now he drives (laughs) around around the block. He finds parking. He gets out. (laughs) He goes to get the money. He, He goes like, you know what? I saw all these, like, ice cream trucks and, like, all these cabs. I was like, those guys are the FBI. I don't care, I'm getting the money. He goes and gets the money anyway, drives away, right? And gets away with it. Meanwhile, John Irwin's like, I've had it, I'm done with this. So he's like, Frank, get in the car. He calls Frank Senior, he's like, look, I'm taking your boy, I'm giving him back to you. You'll find him on this overpass over the 405 freeway. And he's like, click, hangs up. It's like, Frank Jr., get in the car. We're going. He goes and he drives. He drops Frank Jr. off on the overpass over the 405. He's like, get out. He's like, oh, okay. Yeah. And he just starts, you know, running off on his own. Meanwhile, Frank Sr. is looking for him, driving around. But Frank Jr. doesn't know to wait there. So he runs to Bel Air. And, <laughs> <laughs> and a security guard sees him. He's like, hey, it's Frank Jr. And he tries right. to like, get him past all the reporters. It's a safe and, haven. And he takes him all the way to his house. The family rejoices. Everything is golden. Now. So far, all is good. Everything has worked. The press, which has been after Frank Sinatra Sr., for being mob-affiliated, also for, like, you know, basically, there's a whole issue about the the Kennedys. Basically, Bobby Kennedy was going after him for the mob stuff, and so he was looking bad about this. Now, he's this forefather Incredible goodwill. And also, he worked with the FBI. So the FBI's like, oh, we're we're tight with Frank. It's cool. He let us at the house. Yeah, yeah. So now, all of a sudden, all his problems go away. So he's actually kind of been done a f- solid by Barry. Barry's like, look, I like, just like God said, everybody <laughs> wins. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like convinced everything's cold and he's like okay let's go celebrate so barry and joe go back to their hideout they take all the money they got they throw it on like the ground and roll around in i it. quote literally we all we laid all the money out danced on it lit cigarettes with it did all the things we'd seen in the movies we had a money war throwing wads of bills at each other
5: i think i figured out why barry's business acumen wasn't so hot
4: yeah i think we've made he it. lit
5: the money on fire to light cigarettes with mm-hmm. it
4: yeah. You ever done that? You don't, you don't smoke cigarettes. you know. Yeah. Anyway. And I'm
5: not a moron who would steal <laughs> money, like get money and then light it on fire. It's
4: very much like, you know, a cartel dream. I think some young boys have. Uh, anyway, eh. <laughs> John Irwin's like, look, I'm out. I'm so right? done with you guys. Yes. So he's like, I'm 42. I'm a Navy vet. I ain't got time for this. <laughs> so he's like, I'm going to New Orleans, and I'm going to go be safe and happy there. So he goes like, first, I got to go see down my, my boy, my, my brother down in San Diego. So... He pops down to San Diego, he's like, hey, my brother, I, I'm, I'm leaving the area, we gotta to go to New Orleans, but uh, first I want to tell you a little secret, a little funny story of what your brother's been up to. Oh. I grabbed Frank Sinatra Jr., I did it, me and my friends, I got all this money. Isn't that wild? His brother's <laughs> like, are you kidding me? You can't do that. Frank Sinatra's boy? He's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm tired. Let me just take a nap and I'll get out of your hair. And he's take like, okay. Nap. So he lays down to go to sleep. His brother immediately calls the cops. The cops show up and arrest him.
5: So his brother has a
4: higher allegiance to Frank Sinatra. Yes, than exactly. His brother. his brother snitches on him. He's like, look, I got to look out for Frank. <laughs> so then now we got uh, Joe, Joe Amsler. He gets popped while he's like playing chess at a friend's house. <laughs> he's playing chess. Standing. Joe! Yes. And then Barry eventually gets arrested at his girlfriend's place so pam they all yeah dear old pam so they all now have to go to court cases the trials last for about four weeks uh barry refuses to plead guilty by insanity because he's like no i oh i'm i meant to do this god told me to do it i don't know what you people are talking about and so his lawyers (laughs) put forward this other whack theory that is frank Jr. jr This is a hoax. He arranged this. He he was in on it. And they put this out and they say this before the press, which is messed up because now for the rest of his life, Frank Jr. But it's crazy smart. Yeah, it is crazy smart, but it doesn't get the guys off. They go down for 75 years each. Whoa. Oh, yeah. But the one good thing is I have to give Frank Jr. credit. When he goes up on the witness stand, he says the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. He even admits that... I hope you guys get away with this, is one of the quotes he admits to in court. So that's part of the reason why he kind of of messes himself up because he says that before the hoax gets put forward. Anyway, he gets burned. The three guys all get sentenced to 75 years plus life for Amsler and um, Barry... Irwin only gets 75 years. Uh-huh. Anyway, eventually, the people are like, that's cruel, unusual, ridiculous. It gets chalked down to three and a half years for <laughs> Amsler and Irwin, four and a half years for it Barry. It gets
5: cut from 75 <laughs> yeah, to, to three, three and a and half. half years. They're like, eh, yeah, close enough. By
4: 1968, Barry is out. By 1983, he's got a fortune of $17 million. Remember, he was good Barry. at business. Yeah, he just needed that $240,000. He could Bar- get back on top.
5: It sounds like Barry was just going through a a, a time. He was yeah. spinning out a little bit. Little, real
4: little rough time for him.
5: Wow. Anyway. I so, feel like we've all known a Barry.
4: I think I've known a few Barry's. Yeah. I just try not to be a Barry.
5: Yeah, just don't be a Barry.
4: <laughs> so uh, eventually he opens a uh, substance abuse clinic for other addicts to get clean. He wants to put his fortune to good use. In the late 90s, though... Interestingly, Barry and Frank Sinatra Jr. used to see each other at Beverly Hills social, like, events, like, you know, fundraisers and so forth. And they would see each other across the room. They never talked. They would just, yeah, they would. They'd, like, give each other a nod and, like, a friendly, like, hey, you remember that trip, Wild time. So Frank Sinatra, he died in 1998. At his funeral, his youngest daughter, Tina, she slipped ten dimes into his pocket. Because she knew that her dad had always carried 10 dimes on him at all times. This was like something that really meant something to her. And she chalked it up to the kidnapping. And I quote Tina Sinatra. I think it came from Frankie's kidnapping, maybe before. He never wanted to get caught not able to make a phone call. He always carried 10 dimes. Wow. Isn't that nice? I just like that as a father. Yeah. Yeah.
5: And I mean, he's Frank Sinatra. He could just say to someone.
4: Call, yeah. Hey, Big (laughs) Jilly, get that phone. Yeah,
5: Yeah, just... you don't even need a payphone. You just walk into any establishment mm-hmm. or someone's home.
4: Hey, I'm Frank Sinatra. Frank
5: Sinatra kicks in your front door and like, <laughs> I need to make a phone call. You're like, yes, Mr. Sinatra. Can I get you anything else? You start mixing drinks, <laughs> panicking, sweat running. Anything
4: for your two hood friends.
5: Yeah, you're like hiding all your abalone hunting
4: equipment. <laughs> be cool. Be cool. Be quite cool. So uh, what's a ridiculous takeaway from this one? Oh, wow.
5: Um, I think that again, everybody knows Barry, like some of the ridiculous stuff that he pulls off and his I'm really stuck on the I'll give you a million dollars nah you know i need all I need is two forty
4: yeah, that's the number I wanted Like <laughs> I'm gonna lowball you. friend the
5: Lord told me two forty
4: <laughs> exactly. this is a business deal but, I'm a businessman
5: I mean, why wouldn't you just be like yeah that'll work I mean, did he feel like maybe if he was honest about how much he needed that it's
4: all he needed he didn't want any more? He wanted to keep to his deal.
5: So he's not really greedy, He actually. was on a mission from God. Yeah, he was. And seagulls.
4: <laughs> My ridiculous takeaway is, wasn't life wild before cell phones?
5: Oh, yeah. <laughs> like,
4: so much of this could be settled with but the cell I phone. I love like.
5: the screaming into the Chevron station <laughs> thing. Like, yeah, that's a totally pre cell poor phone. poor Joe
4: almost dying in a blizzard just because they don't have cell phones. All they would have Joe, had to. And then, like, look,
5: Joe, I feel like we're two kids talking about a movie and all our favorite scenes. But Joe <laughs> running into a fence post. Is the chef's kiss on this one? Especially because in my mind he's dressed like he's abalone diving, <laughs> and he's in the snow, so I like that a lot. But uh, yeah, Joe. Joe just does his own thing. Mm-hmm. Is amazing.
4: <laughs> Joe is just a spectacular being. Yeah.
5: So we all know a berry. Don't be a berry.
4: Don't be a berry. Try to be a Joe.
5: But not 100% a hundred percent Joe, because <laughs> like if you're gonna run into the woods, don't run into a fence post. But be well meaning. I like. I also like that Joe befriends Frank Sinatra Jr. Yeah. They're just like doing drugs. And oh, they were like chilling out. Together. When he
4: gets back to the hideout, they've like worked out like whole like dances and they're like they're like yeah, what? Yeah, it's like a thing. They're they had like,
5: like a dance routine and they're, they're like, like a, wait, 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 wait chilling Barry. Together. Before we start this again, watch what we came up with. Yeah. Like one, two,
4: three. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you for joining us. I'm Elizabeth Dutton.
5: I am Zaren Burnett.
4: You can find us online at Ridiculous Crime on both Twitter and Instagram. You got a tip for us about a ridiculous crime you'd like to hear about? Hit us up with it. You want to confess to a ridiculous crime? I don't recommend that, but do it anyway. Oh, do it. Just go. Email us at at ridiculouscrimegmail.com. Thank you for being with us. No, thank you. Ridiculous Crime is hosted by Elizabeth Dutton and Zarin Burnett. Produced and edited by Dave Fly Me to the Moon, Kustin. Research is by Marissa New York, New York, Brown. (laughs) The theme song is by Thomas I've Got You Under My Skin. And resident keeper of the groove, Travis Quincy Jones just calls me Trav Dutton. Executive producers are Ben, the best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be bowling? And Noel, I get a kick out of you, Brown.
5: Bravo! <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
2: Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you
3: get your podcasts. Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your
0: podcast. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now.